0: Good morning, GPC. It is good to be with you, even if online, during this Advent series where we are preparing for Christmas worship. Uh, Each Sunday in December, we are looking to Scripture and we are preparing for the coming of the King, the One who has come and the One who will come again in glory. This morning, we're going to continue in that Advent series of seeing signs, preparations for the fact that Jesus has come. And each of these weeks, as we look at these different signs in the Old Testament, signs in the New Testament, the fulfillment of those signs in the person of Jesus Christ, we see little glimpses, little evidences that Jesus was the long expected king and we see that again this morning in our scripture and the passage is from john chapter 6 many of our passages this morning have been from john chapter 6 and our sermon will come from the first verses of john chapter 6 listen to these as jesus offers yet another sign of who he really was Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed Him because they saw the signs He had had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with His disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves. He gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Let's pray that God will bless our understanding of His Word. Father, would You do that very thing? Would You open our eyes that we might see not just that Jesus is the great prophet, but that He is the great priest, that He is the King who has come into the world, offering Himself as the bread of life. We pray in His name. Amen. Some of you are familiar with a book that came out a number of years ago called The Five Love Languages, identifying different ways that people feel loved. Uh, Words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts. I can't remember the others, but I do remember that there actually is a sixth love language. And this would be my love language. And it is the love language of bread. Bread is how we communicate our love and our affection for people because there is nothing better than bread. That is, if you're hungry, I'm always hungry. And so I always love bread. But the truth is, as we begin a sermon on bread, well, let me say, my week has been filled with thoughts of bread. More thoughts of bread than actual bread. Um, I've thought about bread as I've read about bread and, and heard what Jesus has said about bread and Himself is bread. I listened to bread. If you've never listened to bread, you need to tell Alexa. Alexa. Play songs by bread and you will be blessed by the 1970's soft rock music that blessed my week all week. I've been consumed with thoughts of bread. And as I begin this sermon, let me say this, this sermon and what Jesus says about bread really is only understood by those who are hungry. If you are full or if you have a feeling of fullness, then bread doesn't sound very appetizing and you don't know your need for it. But it's when you're hungry, it's when your stomachs are empty, that bread means everything to you. And that's the context that Jesus introduces this bread love language to them their hunger pangs in the desert. Uh, The Lord has had a historic use of bread. You know this, and we've had another sermon on bread when we were outdoors uh, considering some of the hymns of our church. But the Lord has had a historic use of bread. And it was referenced in John chapter 6 in one of the verses that we heard this morning, uh, that the Lord, for Old Testament Israel, when His people were hungry and wandering in the desert and grumbling about their empty bellies... God miraculously provided bread from heaven, manna from heaven, that would satisfy their deep hunger on His terms. And so it served as a sign in the Old Testament of God's presence and His provision for His people. And now in the New Testament, these words we're considering of Jesus here and words elsewhere, bread surfaces again. And it is again a sign of His presence and His provision. And it also will serve as a symbol of His sacraments, of His presence and His blessing. And so you need to consider the Lord's historic use of bread. The Lord loves bread. He uses bread because we love bread and because we need bread. Now the setting of our story that we've begun to hear already is that which sounds familiar. It's God's people wandering in the wilderness, hungry with empty bellies. And the text says that there are 5,000 men. That is to say, when they numbered and counted the way that their minds worked, they counted men as the head of households, which means there were more than 5,000 people there. There were women and children also. So the actual number we don't know, but the best way to refer to this crowd is quite simply that it was a hungry multitude. It was a multitude of people. It was a lot of people, and they are on the move Passover is near. They are on their way to Jerusalem by foot. They are gathering for the Passover festival, the feast, the gathering of God's people. And on their hike through this wilderness, through this desert, they are hungry. Their bellies are empty. And we've seen this scene before. This is so much like what happened in the Old Testament. God's people wandering, God's people hungry, their bellies are empty, and when we get hungry, we get angry. We don't deal so well with lots of people, and we have a lot of people together. And God will once again use this setting in this context to demonstrate bread from heaven. But it would be a new bread this time. It would be the bread this time. Jesus sees what's playing out before Him. He sees this huge multitude of people. He knows that they're hungry, probably because they're talking about it. And Jesus is the one who raises the question. And He says to His disciples, well, where can we buy bread? How are we going to address this problem? How are we going to address this need that has... Arisen. Uh, Mark says it differently in his uh, version of this, verse 37 of chapter 6. He there says that he says to the disciples, You give them something to eat. Which only underscores the point that's being made here when Jesus asks, Well, where are we going to buy bread? And that is that the disciples were powerless to do anything about this need. Where can we get bread? Well, we have nothing to give them. We have no bread. Our hands are empty. We have no bread to offer 5,000 plus people. And what's worse than empty hands is empty pockets. We have no money. We don't have enough money to give everybody a bite of bread. How are we going to fill these empty bellies when we have empty hands and we have empty pockets? We have nothing. The truth is, that is precisely where God's people need to be in order to see God at work. To the point that they acknowledge and they understand we have empty hands, we have empty pockets, we have empty hearts. We do not have what it takes to deliver the need that is upon us knowing our emptiness is always step one in seeing God at work we won't look for God to work when we think that we have the resources in our hands or or in our pockets and so the truth is this is a hard truth but God is gracious to us when he gives us those moments those glimpses of seeing our empty handedness and seeing how empty our pockets really are. We consider that to be a curse when actually it leads to blessing. When we realize we have nothing, that's when God shows us that He is the provider of our needs. And so the solution to the problem is simply this. Empty bellies, empty hands, empty pockets. There will be full baskets and there will be full bellies when God is looked to and He chooses to reveal Himself. He will fill the baskets with bread and He will fill the bellies with bread. One of the disciples says, well, here's a little boy. He has five small barley loaves and two small fish. Not much to address a multitude of hunger. But here's the principle that I'm indebted to a former professor of mine that this church family knows well. The late Terry Eves taught me to pray this way when he would say to me, Paul, remember God takes our little and makes it much. And I've never forgotten that. Uh, That is the way that Christians should pray. When we realize that we are empty-handed, we are empty-pocketed, Lord, would you take our little and somehow make it much? And that is exactly what Jesus does here. He takes these five barley loaves, these two small fish. Barley loaves, by the way, this was the common bread. This was not extravagant. This was the poor man's bread. And this bread, of course, was not right out of the oven. Probably stale, hard, not what we would think of when we think of bread, hot and toasty and fresh out of the oven. But when you're hungry, this is good bread. This is bread that can satisfy the deepest hunger pang that these people would have had. And the passage says, somehow, way, we only know it to be a sign and a miracle, that the Lord takes that bread and He distributes it. He tells the people to sit. Elsewhere it says to sit in groups of 50. So picture a hundred groups of 50. A multitude of people. And why would you tell people to sit in groups of 50 and, and to have a seat? Well, because there's going to be a picnic. We've got bread to distribute. We're going to put them in manageable groups of 50. And so Jesus takes the bread and miraculously, only as God who created all things out of nothing and by the word of His power and in the space of six days, only a God like that can do this. But He takes that bread, He takes that simple common bread, and it multiplies miraculously. Now some who try to find a way to explain away the miracle would say, well, what really happened here is that people did have bread and they had it hidden and they were being selfish with it and they didn't want to share and now they feel so bad that now they share and there was enough there amongst themselves the whole time and it just took Jesus to persuade them to do it. That's baloney. God is a miracle worker makes Things out of nothing for the good of His people, for the glory of His name. It is clearly what is being presented here by the Gospel writers. All four Gospel writers give this account with very little variation. And he's showing a miracle here. A sign that Jesus is the long-expected Messiah. And that bread is distributed... And when they're done, when everyone had had enough bread, more than they could eat, they gather the pieces. And some say symbolically there are 12 basketfuls remaining, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, as if a statement is being made to all of God's people that Jesus is more than enough for your needs. Perhaps that is what the 12 baskets mean. I don't know. But we do know that it was more than they could eat. It was an all-you-can-eat picnic. It says that they ate until they had room for no more. And it says that none was wasted. None of God's miracles should be wasted. And they gather the pieces for later. Jesus is more than enough to satisfy the hunger of His people. And Jesus in doing this says, not only is God generous and gracious and abundant yet again, but He is generous and gracious and abundant in such a way that Jesus doesn't just provide bread on this occasion, but He becomes bread Himself. That God's people would feed on Him. That their faith would be made full in Him. That He would satisfy their deepest longings, their deepest hunger as humanity. And that He would satisfy and bring peace and bring rest. And by the way, peace and rest, they really do go with bread, don't they? Eat some bread and rest will follow and peace will follow. That feeling of fullness and satisfaction that lets one rest. It all seems to go perfectly together. And that is the sign, that is the climactic sign that Jesus reveals here. That He is the true bread of heaven and that He has come. He has come for His people and He has come to be the one who would bear their sins and pay the price for their sins. And just as Jesus said to the woman at the well, you can never thirst again. And she says, well, give me this water that I may not have to come back to this well. Now Jesus says to these people, you can never hunger again. And that's good news to a hungry people who don't know where their next meal is coming from. That their deep hunger can be exchanged for deep fullness, for deep satisfaction, for deep rest, and for deep peace. And it just sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Never hunger again, never thirst again. It sounds too good to be true. Well, Merry Christmas. That's the gift. Jesus says, in Him you will never hunger and never thirst again. Not a physical hunger, not a physical thirst. He's talking about spiritually satisfying the deepest hunger, the deepest thirst for righteousness that His people have. This is what humanity has lacked This is what humanity has been dying for. And Jesus, almost like Superman, giving a glimpse of the the S or the image on His chest, letting you see just for a moment who He is. This is Jesus revealing to Himself, to a hungry people, I'm the bread of life. I'm what the world has needed. And they would believe somewhat, but very quickly turn and harden, as we understand the sinful heart will do. But at the end of the day, you and I are presented in this Advent season with the announcement that the true bread of heaven has come and that He alone can satisfy your deepest longing, your deepest hunger. It sounds too good to be true, and the gospel always sounds too good to be true. But it's what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Saying, Merry Christmas to all. In Him you find the fullness that your souls are hungering for. It's a familiar quote from D.T. Niles, who was a pastor and evangelist, actually in the Methodist Conference. He died the year that I was born, but you've probably heard his quote. On evangelism, he says this. He says, we are but hungry, poor beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. And you see, if you're not hungry, if you've never had an empty belly, it's hard to really understand the beauty of what he's saying. But if you're poor and needy and you know it, and you have found your full, you have found your bread... You were eager to tell others where you found free bread given without money. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. So as we close the sermon and this Advent sermon for this morning, let me just ask a few questions again. Are you hungry? Have you ever really been hungry? Playfully, I want to challenge my kids in my home to skip a meal or two, exercise a little bit more one day, skip a meal or two, get yourself hungry, and then feast on good bread and understand what Jesus is saying about Himself. Maybe that's homework for the GPC church family this week. Let yourself get hungry for once and satisfy yourself with good, redeeming bread. Understand what Jesus is saying about Himself. And secondly, have you come to the point in your life ever that you've realized how empty-handed and empty-pocketed you are when it comes to satisfying your spiritual needs? Jesus says that's what we are. We are empty-handed, empty-pocketed. But then he tells us that all of that emptiness can be made full in him. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate the coming of the King who was Himself the bread of life, the fullness for all of our emptiness. And John writes his Gospel saying, I write these things to you that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing in Him, you will find life in His name. Let's pray that that would be true for all of us. Let's pray. Lord, would You show us our emptiness? And knowing that it hurts to admit it, would You give us the grace to be able to do it boldly and confidently? Because You are our fullness. Would You work in us, in all of us, young who've maybe never heard this before, old who've heard it a hundred times, But Lord, would you help us to celebrate the bread of life who has come to offer fullness for our emptiness. And we ask this and we pray it together in his name. Amen.